Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I have hit the record button, Jules. Okay, cool. Segue cool, cool, cool. Into all this thing because this is the UPP. 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 Or a, technically, it's it's a gathering of the gown gang. It Everyone's is the gown got, gang. Got your gowns on. Welcome along. Your gown's very big, Mr. Mr. Jules Gill. Have you killed something in between the weeks since last Listen, Friday? Listen, as, as a full on uh, vegan, uh, I, I can say that <laughs> no animals have been harmed in this, but uh, it, it's like a bear's pubes, mate. It's thick <laughs> and coverage. It's, it's good times. Good times. I mean, we're living in what I think is the coldest day of, of in UK history or some craziness. Oh, that yeah. It can get in the bin, mate. It's, it it's a awful. Bit. Yeah, you, you try working. You've got a nice setup there. You've got nice walls. Well, so it looks like you've got a little like throw pillow in front of you, or like a this, cushion. I've got. A, you don't want to know what this is. This is a weird like. There's a microphone in here, and that's how I'm oh, able is to this record. Your recording? Ah, yeah, 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 I can okay. I can kind of rotate it, but it's gonna like there's a little little oh, microphone. Oh. I just it's gonna break everything. So well, see, see, I thought that that was like comfy. You're that microphone, mate. You're nice and comfy. <laughs> Imagine trying to trying to work in a garage that doesn't have a heater in here. I've got a portable. Well, I've got I've got, got here in here either. I've got this, this really ridiculously sized room. That doesn't it doesn't heat up. I've got I've got the slippers on. I've got oh, the dressing gown on. I've got a big house. <laughs> look at me. I've got a giant airy room, <laughs> which for the most part I do enjoy. But um, yeah. yeah, so yeah, welcome to the UBP. Uh, I'm Scott Taylor, joined by Jules Gill. And uh, each week, obviously, we ask everybody whatever's on their mind. What do you want us to talk about? Game stuff, recipe stuff, food stuff, everything stuff. Um, and so we're going to start with a game-based question, then we'll get sure. into some different I was, things. I was about to say, I'm glad to say that we're getting into the game-based stuff because we have been getting so much food stuff recently. <laughs> that it's just a case of like, are we now like a food podcast? Well, you're, you're the one who put out the Marmite and sour cream. No, I didn't put it out thing. there. I gifted it to the world, mate. Well, I gave them what they needed. It's the dark <laughs> night of sandwiches. That's like giving someone like a present that you know is a joke present, but the person just has to live with it now. So I've got to try and ascribe value to this thing. Um, so first question from Laughing Sunbro, a regular from the TikTok. Thank you very Legend. much yet again. Um, do you think game companies are holding back games like God of War 2 until such a time as the PS5 is more readily available? Does that make business sense? Um, I think that that makes perfect sense. You would yeah. want to have your game launch uh, on the biggest install base possible for a uh, for a console. So actually sometimes holding off and mm. teasing that it's coming is a great way to incentivize people to A, buy the console mm. and to then get hyped uh, for your release. Um, 
I, I can't think of a better game either to make me That's want to buy it into a PS5 other than the uh, like God of War. I think it's amazing. Yeah, the thing with God of War, it's so it's in such a like Sony are in such a strange place where like obviously they have a massive shortage. Sony themselves got out there and said that they don't think they're going to be able to uh, manufacture whatever the specific component is that gets them back to regular production until yeah. closer to 2022. So that leaves them in a Mad, weird position. I know that leaves them in such a weird position of just saying like, well, we have all these exclusives. We have Returnal, Gran Turismo, Ratchet and Clank, God of War all these things that are penned for 2021 but we also know that the vast majority of people can't get their hands on systems so yeah. maybe it does just make sense to delay it and it, you're ostensibly delaying the generation by like a year because all these games that i just said are also on ps4 including horizon yeah. forbidden west because so i mean maybe you're, that's the case. you're kind of like in a situation where like you know the classic sort of supply and demand uh, curves they don't mm. apply here because of the fact that you don't have the supply in the first place to actually like the demand was already sky high because mm -hmm. it's a brand new console thing and now telling people that there's scarcity of it it's just kind of like well, if i was a game developer right yeah. now and i was told oh do you want to release your game now or do you want to hold off for a bit i would tell my team like we're going to hold off for a bit we mm -hmm. don't like we're going to make less money now because by the time that if we drop it now we've got less people <laughs> buying it and then when the uh supply finally comes back around so that people can buy the consoles they'll be expecting it to be discounted because it will have already been out for so yeah. long it's also it's just it, they're in that this retroactively it kind of explains why at the end of last year just after the launch they got out there and said oh like x number of ps5 games are also on ps4 because mm -hmm. maybe that's the only way they can split the difference right now it's like well we're still gonna get this so many games off shelves we're not because they haven't said anything about god of war 2 and um, which is why it keeps leading to the idea that it's either cross-gen or it's being delayed or whatever it was the only game that didn't get a release day uh in the last sort of playstation trailer thing and i'm like yeah maybe their way of splitting the difference is look we know you guys already have ps4s so we're gonna give you next-gen games yeah. quote unquote um but as best we can i mean ratchet and clank that's... is one of the only ones that's on ps5 only i i genuinely think that we need to start really looking to move away from it like i know yeah. that it hasn't been the smoothest uh console transition between the two but mm -hmm. they need to start defining points now and something that actively puts me off after the whole cyberpunk debacle <laughs> is literally just like if god of war comes out and says oh it will be on the ps4 and the ps5 mm -hmm. my brain is only going to see that there has been a glass ceiling that's been put on that game that's for the, the limitations thing, yeah. of the playstation 4 like mm -hmm. the only way you would sell me on top of it is if you went okay cool here's the core experience but the PS5 one's going to have these three new locations, all of these new bosses, and like basically come with an expansion pack built in. Mm -hmm. That's the way you could separate it. But if you just told me they're going to be the same games, I'd be like, well, mechanically, we're not going to be able to advance beyond the, the first one. That's the thing. We're in a weird space at the minute where a lot of like next, because like if you look at Demon's Souls, Demon's Souls and Godfall are the only two games mm -hmm. right now that have been made for the PS5. Like yeah. everything else is like, you know, getting a next gen patch. And it's not that God of War 2018 looks incredible in 60 FPS at 4K. Like that looks great. But mm -hmm. it's also not built from the ground up for the next generation, whereas Demon Souls, you can tell, has been. So for me, I, I want those new experiences just on a sheer artistic, creative level. I want to see what devs are coming up with, um, yeah. you know, aiming for that tech and only that tech. I mean, on a sort of uh, lower point than that, you've paid for the experience. You've paid on the, on, <laughs> yeah, you've been sold on the idea that you were going to be able to play these brand new games and have all of these experiences. Mm -hmm. Like at the moment, this like shortfall of uh, of a library that just has, it's pretty bare bones. It's quite uh, disarming to players coming in. They're just like, why would I ever want to invest in this yeah. console right now? And it's like, the, it's yeah, it's not, like I said, it's not that those older patches don't, not necessarily revolutionize, but make those games feel good and fresh. Like Days Gone, Ghost of Tsushima. you've played it War, before 
played them yet. And it's yeah. like 4K60 can only do so much. And so I think it's going to be a bit of a stilted start to the generation. But obviously, you can, you know, we all know why. We've all been through mm-hmm. this. Um, but yeah, I kind of wonder if Sony are kind of splitting the difference by going like, we're still going to give you these new titles, um, but just not as upscaled as they could be. And then it's kind of on them to justify a separate PS5 release uh, if they decide to charge for it. Um, next question from Anthony Attic, um, who says, tricks for getting comfortable on camera. Um, literally, ironically, exposure. I would just, yeah. it's just literally, it took this long. I mean, we've been, we've both been on camera. You, I think you longer than me. I started in 20, well, I think I started in 2015, but most of those videos have been deleted at this point. Yeah, we uh, we kind of worked together quite yeah, a lot yeah. at the beginning of my run. I remember uh, that. And I well, remember I, when I came in, I was so nervous. I was a bag of jittery nerves. And so yeah. is everyone. Like, I can't stress this enough. Even if you look around at the most sort of like confident people on camera, at one point in time, they weren't. And the only reason that they got over that is by basically looking at themselves going, Jesus, right, there's the <laughs> bottom line. I can only go up from here. Like yeah. when I started, I stumbled over my words. Like I got Same. so confused with what I wanted to say. I just basically, I didn't have any sense of purpose on camera. So I basically was just there like a bag of nerves, just like, okay, here we go. Well, I think and like just that for the end. Everybody sort of thinks that they're, because there is like a version of you that's on camera and obviously the version of you that's just like normal. Mm-hmm. And it's it's weird because for me, it's like when you start out, you're like, oh man, I need to be this perfect version of me. I need to say everything perfectly. Yeah. I need to enunciate everything. I need to make sure I nail every point immediately and I can't mess up. And oh my God, I got that wrong. Uh, that's that's an outtake. We need to start again. Um, yeah. Whereas for me, one of the biggest turning points was just steering into that stuff. Like, like if something goes wrong or you mess something up or you need to clarify, it's fine that you just keep the take rolling. You just, you stay with it and you just keep going. Obviously that applies to different contexts, whether it's a live show or you're trying to get through something or whatever. But yeah. for me, it was steering into the version of me that is a little bit stumbly and a little bit, I'll just make it up as I go along and that's okay. There's no, it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be you. Yeah. Because it's authenticity. That's yeah. what people actually come to see. If they come and like there's nothing that turns me off more than watching those really, really prescribed uh, adverts that you get for like um, people who, a good example is, and I'm not harshing on them specifically. There was a, uh, I won't actually say the name of the thing just in case it gets me into trouble. But there Slam. was a specific specific game advert that came out that was presenting it as if it was like real life, but it was all just so forced. Every okay. single like thing was just like, this is how you play the game. Wow, I love this. It's like, oh, don't God, be okay. like that. Yeah. That sort of manufactured thing is not, personable that's not at all like what i would want to see i want to see people going okay well i don't know don't know how to play this like show me how to do this like what's going on sort of thing yeah and i would also say i mean to this day it's it's i still get like a performance anxiety before i hit record i think i'm always aware that uh, not necessarily for this because it's much easier talking to someone but if you're doing Mm. like a solo thing like to camera um and especially at home we don't have the teleprompter or anything so it is just improvising entire like speeds that's a thing that that i I reckon that a lot of people don't realize this is that uh, when we were in the office, a lot of the stuff that we did, uh, like we call this like face to cam is like uh, we had like a teleprompter Mm -hmm. and that, it helps so much. You have no idea. Only like recently, we will say a lot of it was still made up in the last. Yeah. Oh, year. yeah. Like a lot of it, but it was like um, we probably had uh, like a year and a half or two years without it, then a year with it, and now all this time without it. Mm-hmm. And I would say that because I find that I'm funnier when I'm when I script myself, when I write down my jokes, I get my thoughts out onto paper. I found it easier to bounce off the teleprompter because I would see the line I needed to hit. I would just then go full on energy with the enunciation. Right. Right. But being away from it actually teaches you to think on your feet a lot more. So Mm. like if you're asked a question you don't know the answer to, if you're put into a situation where you stumble, how Mm. do you react to that? Mm. And I think that the uh, best advice that I can give is 
if you hit a stumbling block, don't just go, right, scrap it. We're going to start from the first paragraph again. Mm -hmm. If you can turn that around and get back out of it again, you'll feel so much better for yourself for doing yep. it. Like Simon Miller does it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like he's one of the most confident people that we know. And yet he, if he makes a mistake, he'll just be like, oh, blah, blah. I don't know why I said that. That's not what I meant to say. <laughs> what I meant to say is that he'll just carry on. That's and what I mean. It, it's authentic. It's, yeah. yeah. And it becomes this sort of like a, a tribute that people uh, gravitate towards mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, you make mistakes, but you're still confident in yourself to carry on going. And I think yeah. that that's something that, you re that is essential to learn. Yeah, hundred percent. It's like I said, it was just, I still, like I said, I still get some of the performance anxiety stuff before I hit record for a big, like a big important thing. Like when I reviewed the medium the other week, um, I have so many things I need to say. I basically, it, it depends what you're going to be covering, but I sort of like note down the points I want to hit and then improvise getting from A to B to C or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then like, obviously you're aware of the editing, editing on the other side of it. It changes if it's a live stream, but yeah, overall I would boil it all down to just, just keep doing it. It's like when yeah. you first learn to drive and you're a little bit hazardous or a little bit apprehensive on the road, just do more of it um, yeah. and improvise never, through stuff. Never be afraid as well either to uh, use uh, footage to mask your cuts and stuff yeah. like that. Like if there's one thing that makes a, a presenter, in my opinion, look a bit weaker is when you get hard cuts after sentences where it's still like, say it was like the footage of Scott and I, mm -hmm. and it just suddenly cut to, and this is what we're doing now. Like <laughs> I, I, you can tell that there was a mistake or there's something there. If you cut to footage and then just go to a voiceover bit, then it's a really easy way to keep that flow going and make yeah. sure that the audience just think it's one continuous take. That, I will also, I, yeah, that's how I, 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 think, say, you know. I will also like just throw in that. I think YouTube editing has become its own style, like recognizable mm -hmm. style like that. Even those harsh cuts sometimes are totally fine. If that's all you have to play with, and you don't have time yeah. to do something. They're, um, they're, they're great yeah. way that it's a great way of injecting energy into a scene. But mm. The problem is, is that sometimes if you do it after every single sentence or sometimes with some of these YouTubers like midway through sentences mm -hmm. you're like oh you've not had a coherent thought there right. so maybe just take a second and get yeah. your thoughts out like in some other way mm -hmm. it's just yeah it just it depends what resources you've got but I think yeah just we've I mean we've been doing this for five six yeah, seven years now so time's a flat circle but we you do what you <laughs> can um, next question from Tony Peace which is a brilliant name Mr. Tony, Tony Peace um, what are each of your favorite and most hated video game controllers this is hard a hated I, video game controller. I, I feel like if I really wanted to annoy people, I'd say it was the N64. Was was most like that. But I, I feel like that's just like, it, I, I am actually from that, that camp, which mm -hmm. sees both the positives and negatives of that controller. Um, okay, thing, one, one, that I, one that I hate hands down okay. is the Duke, the original Xbox controller. Oh, the, the no, I'm Jules. sorry, mate. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. I, I just bought one. What? I know you oh, did. <laughs> had to buy. The thing is, you are completely right. It is one of the most like wrong, wrong, just just wrong controllers ever made. Um, ergonomically insane. But I just I love that. I think it's the nostalgia of it kind of does it for me. But I when I first um held it when I was younger, it was huge. It was something that only my friend's brother could hold. And I think that just made getting to grips with it, literally trying to get to grips with yeah. it trying to play Halo that little bit more special, but it is a bit mental. So, it's yeah. a cumbersome thing, isn't it? <laughs> but I did just buy a new controller. One. Um, I, I was going to say for the Duke, they did re-release it. You can get one from uh, Hyperkin. And the, um, the where the logo used to be, that plays a video version of the Xbox boot up animation. Amazing. Um, which is a brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for the worst, I don't know. My mind also went to the N64, even though I don't hate it. It just doesn't have a real way to hold it. It's either the middle mm. and the side or kind of both sides. Um, the best controller, though, I think would actually be the DualSense, the new one, the PS5 one. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe the DualShock 4, anything that has a bit of weight to it. I like a bit of heft. 
to get my See, hands. I'm a big fan of the um, the Xbox 360 or the Xbox One controller because I mm. felt that the Xbox One controller just had those lovely tactile triggers. They had that; it just felt weighty and chunky. I, mm-hmm. I found ergonomically, I really, really liked it. Yeah. However, maybe we should return to the um, the terrible controllers and mm. extend it to like special edition controllers because okay. there are an, uh, some absolute stinkers in there. Oh, this, like, I, re- I remember the chainsaw controller for. I was just Ball. about to say that. <laughs> like people who were like, "Oh, I really like this. It's brilliant." It's like, have you played it? I yeah. played it once. My friend bought the special edition, and I was like, "This is. It looks amazing, but it's so awful." I never owned it, but I saw the pictures of that Dragon Quest slime one, where it's just a big, I, rat, which looks great. Maybe that's lovely. I don't know. I won't have a bad word said about the slime made from that. <laughs> slime Jesus, praise him, praise him slime hard. Jesus but, the thing, in. but the thing is. I have to admit, it was pretty bad as well because it doesn't look good at all. It looks like, because you have to hold it upside down. It's like a big orb, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I imagine that that's the last thing that you'd want to to try and hold <laughs> for a long amount of time. It's like, oh, are you gripping it? It's like, no, I'm just kind of resting it on my palm. Well, massaging like, it? I think, oh. I don't know, I like the idea. I always, I love gaming hardware. Like I love a new console, I love a new controller. Um, and I like the gimmicky side of that. But I think, yeah, like you said, any extended amount of time, it's just going to make it feel terrible over time. Yeah. Um, I can't think there's not been any controllers that I've actively hated, but I think some are just more cumbersome. I'm, I'm going on the Googles, as per usuals. Okay. Uh, just two secs while I look up terrible, terrible video game controllers. There is, there is one, um, is it the Falcon? There's that discontinued system that looked like a calculator that was just sort of blown up, had a ton of rows of buttons on it. Um, oh my God, I think I've just seen the one that, that you're talking yeah, about. It's like, it, just, it looks like one of those science calculators you use in school Whoa. and never <laughs> with just sort of, it's what fat it's got grips on. It was a whole thing. The gaming industry trying to find, trying to explore ergonomics without social media and data back in the day. Okay. So, a- so apparently, some of the worst ones, according to the internet, are the Amiga CD32, which looks like a looks like somebody tried to design a boomerang and gave up halfway. <laughs> so that's great. Oh my god! The original PS3 controller. That was that weird silver oh, that banana. Sucked. I yeah. liked that when I was a kid, but I was a dumb kid. So I was just like, oh, that looks cool. It's futuristic. Oh my God, the Philips CDI controller. This is appalling. It's literally no. like a DVD remote. That's just awful. <laughs> they look like video controllers, like sort of with a VHS controller. It would it be yes. harsh to just uh, rail on the power glove because it just didn't work. It never worked, yeah. Yeah. You, are you, you can nominate one more as your worst controller. Okay, okay, one more. I think I know which one it's going to be. Just the entire Virtua Boy. <laughs> it, it gave you a gave you a headache and it just I just played one of them oh i, play, I played it once it was mm. at a retro gaming convention thing mm-hmm. and i was there like oh sick i'm finally gonna be able to play other uh, wario land that's yep. exclusive to this and i was like i heard so many good things about it i put it on and i was there like oh okay yeah this is quite interesting i can feel like a sense of depth mm-hmm. and then i became aware of the sheer weight of it i was just like <laughs> it needs like a counter brick on the other side to like yeah. let's get your head back up and then after about five minutes i took it off and i swear as as soon as I took it off, an actual real light and color of the spectrum entered my eyeball, immediate <laughs> headache. I was just like, oh, my It's such Christ. a, I mean, I, I love the ambition of 80s Nintendo, but it's just like this all red. It looks like you're seeing blood. Like it's just sort of, mm. it's like your brain's malfunctioning. <laughs> you're having like the, the aneurysm is seeping into yeah. your eyeballs. It's so like, I ah. think this is a game feature, but I don't know. Um, next question from Ethan. Should I play through all the Resident Evil games for eight or should I just play through seven? That's oh. a hell of a, a gamble. A choice. That is a t- you know what? There's merits and, and cons to both. Yeah. Uh, because if you play through every single one, you'll get an appreciation for where the series started from, hmm. developed to, declined to, <laughs> and then rose up from. But because it is directly uh, tied to 
Ethan's story, mm-hmm. it would make sense for you to just roll straight off the back of Resident Evil 7 into 8. Yeah. My my thing would be because I can't I can't on good conscience man uh, ask anybody to play Resident Evil Six as much as I think that's a guilty pleasure. Uh, it's only a guilty pleasure now going back to it after yeah. they've recovered the series. Um, my shout would be at least try Resident Evil One Remake so you get a feel for the tank controls and you see where it started mm-hmm. with albeit better graphics and everything. Then jump to the Resident Evil Two Remake because it's such an overhaul and you got the modernized controls. Um, mm-hmm. If you and then I would actually skip the Resident Evil Three Remake because it really didn't I do go, anything. For I me. play the original, so if we create the right. timeline, I'm totally yeah. with you. We yep. start with the Resident Evil, uh, the remake that was for the GameCube one. Yeah, which uh, then that, became that, on PS4. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we'll go to the Resident Evil 2 remake, like yep. you said. Skip the Resident Evil 3 remake and play the original because that yep. is phenomenal. Yep. Resident Evil 4, for sure. Yep. Then I think Fine. you're okay. I think I would, after you do 4 with Leon, I would jump to Resident Evil 7 because I think as much as I enjoy 5 and 6's gameplay mechanics and everything, I don't think they're mm. essential at all. If you're going to get a, a feel for where the series went, you get that from 4 anyway. And then mm. you can kind of just jump to 7, which is the reboot. I mean, 5 and 6 just reinforce the gunplay where chasing Gears of War stuff. Yeah, they, yeah. I'm, tr- I'm just trying to think if there are any of the spin-off ones that are worth playing as well. Oh, Code Veronica. Um, Code is, Ver- is a fact- <sighs> yeah. That's an old school tank one. I guess you could do that after you've done one remake because I don't yeah. know where that is in the tank. I mean, I would, I would recommend is Revelation. Essential? But- is it essential? I don't think Revelations so. is great, mate. Revelations, yeah. I, I, I love I'm Revelations. playing through it on the uh, 3DS again because I uh, don't know if I told you I dug out um, my 3DS and I was nice. just like, oh, it's in there. Play that's this so, for a bit. And I was, I was like, this is a really brilliant weird. game. We just dug out, our, me and my wife uh, dug out our 3DSs last night as well. That's really weird. We, like, we need lockdown stuff. So we dug out old consoles. Um, I found yeah. some absolutely amazing games in my collection, by the way. I found, uh, Star Fox. I've, I haven't played Star Fox in so long. Oh, such a good game, especially for the 3DS. I got mm-hmm. um, uh, the some of the Professor Layton games, so I was going to play through them. Yeah. But I uh, also have, um, what's it called? Uh, a Monster Hunter, uh, okay. Monster Hunter 3, and mm-hmm. I have only played Monster Hunter 3 on the 3DS. I never played it on when it came to the. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, yeah, dude. I haven't even got, like, think... the little, I haven't got the little nubby one either. I was so going to say, like. So I've got the terrible controls, so I'm yeah. just like, oh, this sucks. You, like, target for a little bit, and it doesn't lock. It just keeps <laughs> going. It doesn't rotate the camera every 10 seconds. I'm having um, fun, but it is abysmal at the yes. same time. But, um, yeah, I think if we were going to, because another thing is that Resident Evil 8 is out in May, so you've got that you're mm-hmm. crunching these games to get through quite a lot of them in a couple of months um so yeah re1 remake jump to two then re3 original then re4 and then jump to seven i would say okay yeah i think if we're being brutal and we're trying to cut it down so that you can do it it, can we cut cut any more like if we're going for just the essentials i would cut re3 man like i love nemesis but i think if you want to get if you want to get the vibe of resident evil that's re1 remake that's re2 remake and then four mm. because that was such a change even though you're going to get a bit of that from two but at least like story-wise four is brilliant uh or the so, setting of it's great so four games you're saying yeah. so do resi one remake resi two remake four and seven and then in yep and then four as well goes into eight because the merchant comes back and there's all the they're, yeah. they're taking a bunch from re4 so you've kind of got a bit of connective tissue there God, it feels so horrible to like hack so much of a brilliant franchise out. Like, I feel like it's sacrilege to even suggest not playing some of these I think, games. I, mean, but... I think it's it's funny because I went back to RE6. I don't know why now. I just got this weird brain fart the other week, and I was like, oh, I kind of want to play a bit of Resident Evil Six. So I got I, that. You're, you're mad. You're I mad. just sort of did it. I think it was on. It's because it was on sale for like a fiver, and I was like, oh, I'm going to see what. Because I started RE6 back in the day, did what everybody did, and went, what the hell is this? Um, but <laughs> going back to it after RE7, it's the same with DMC5. Once Capcom got the franchise back on track, like I quite like DMC from 2013 now because mm-hmm. i know that it didn't kill the franchise and so now that they've saved resident evil going back to six it's kind of like this weird guilty pleasure action focused thing that i know didn't kill stuff because seven's still okay so yeah. 
Yeah, I think you can appreciate them retrospectively, like after the fact, like you play the good ones and then you play the weird deviations that they tried. And it's like, ah, I see what you guys were going for, but it didn't work, but I'm glad you came back as opposed to, oh my God, what the hell are they doing? I mean, I still maintain that the best thing that Resident Evil 6 did was kill that formula for them. Like it's <laughs> it just so, like, and the worst thing is I, I did some research on the other day that mm-hmm. it's the, one of the, I think it is the highest selling uh, Resident Evil game. And that, that yeah. upsets me. Well, the same with Splinter Cell, the more they steered into the action stuff, the more the fans went, what are you, what are you guys doing? But the more it worked in mainstream yeah, audiences, like Conviction. I mean, I love Blacklist, but like, yeah, Conviction sold really well. Like it's looking into Splinter Cell sales figures, Pandora Tomorrow and Chaos Theory dropped off and then came back with Double Agent. It's it's a whole thing. But um, <laughs> Don't get just- started, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Splinter Hell is the name yeah. of my documentary. Um, There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. 
I'll see you all soon. Next question from Hot Beverage Tea and Nerding Face. I think that's the my copy-paste bringing emoji descriptions in, but whatever. Um, what is the wankiest cocktail you found? Sounded fancy, but tasted like dirt. A million quid for some fruit juice and one shot of alcohol? Oh, the wankiest cocktail that I've ever had. I've had a fair few cocktails, which I've just been like, <laughs> oh, they sound great. And then I've just been like, oh, I don't like minutes this, for them brother. to shake it all together. <laughs> My, my like, thing, it reminded me of a one from the before times. There's, I don't even know if this place is even still open in Newcastle. I think it was called uh, Bijou, but they did a Cookie Monster cocktail. It was called that, where they took okay. an Oreo um, with a bunch of like whipped cream and all these different bits of chocolate and stuff. And it was really lush, um, but they made the Cookie Monster's face with like chocolate drops for the eyes. The Oreo on its side was the mouth. And then there was like a blue foam thing on top, um, which is kind of the opposite of what the dude's saying, because I thought that was brilliant. I had like five of them in a row. But um, yeah, still very wanky though, the Cookie Monster. I had a, a, a minty mudslide a, a while back. It was probably like maybe we're talking 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, this And it was like a mint chocolate and vodka combination. And it tasted amazing. Okay. My stupid ass decided that that would be my next drink for the next hour and a half. So I decided to have three or four more of them. Brilliant. And is it any surprise that I then vomited out like black sludge into a gutter like about like five minutes after I left <laughs> the pub? So I was just, and all my friends were like, they were like, oh, why, why did you switch from like beer to this really bizarre dessert? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Help me. Everyone does that thing where they find the cocktail. It's like, this could be me. This could be part of me. This is my identity now. This is my like extension of me. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, like, I come in and I get this cocktail and no one else gets it. And that's me. Um, no, they're just, it's, it, it depends which one it is. But I think overindulging is always bad. Speaking of uh, cocktails that yes. are, are definitely us, one of the amazing fans that we have um, mm-hmm. went and designed a cocktail for us. Did you see on Did Twitter? They? No. Yeah, on Twitter, um, they uh, went and designed it. I'll have to find it. So you okay. might have to vamp a little bit while I do this. But um, I can describe various uh, things around the, I think I said around cocktail culture, the idea that just, I don't know, like we mentioned the other week about um, the dressing gowns that we have, the white Russians mm-hmm, being something mm-hmm. that you should get like traditionally for each week's episode. So maybe we should branch I've into also um, dug up, by the way, uh, some really horrible cocktails for people at home to try. Um, because, oh yeah, I typed in worst cocktails ever and I've got some absolute stinkers. <laughs> One of them, I'll just read you out now, is called the Smoker's Cough. Do you want to know what that is? Yes. Sure. <sighs> it makes me feel a bit queasy just saying it. Jägermeister and mayonnaise mixed together in a shot glass. I, uh, that, that's ha, the smoker. You can't, that's the you're to avoid cough. dead air, but I can't. I don't know how to. Re- re- I mean, I, I, mm, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> no, I'm you're curious. not. No, you're not. If you, if you're... we, when, when we're allowed outside again, I, if we, if that was suggested on in some sort of you know external establishment, I think we try it. I, I would never try Jägermeister and mayonnaise. Are you, are you, oh. well, but you've got, you're advocating for Marmite and sweet chili sauce or whatever. No, do not put the two on the same level, Scott. They are totally, totally different. <laughs> they are scientifically the exact same amount of madness. I'll tell you what, you keep going with this show and I will find this because I'm scrolling okay. back. I'm now scrolling through a lot of, of uh, like mentions now to try and okay. find this. Um, so next question from Andy Taylor. A few cinemas are looking to gaming as a new source of income, gaming in small groups or solo. And maybe once this is all blown over, we can have cinema gaming with more people. Uh, what game would you play in the cinema? And then he says, also, Parappa the Rapper VR should be a thing. Not necessarily in a cinema, otherwise it'd be one person in the Parappa. foyer. Parappa the Rapper VR. I can't think of anything <laughs> more weird than that. Like, like it's all in the why, mind, why, mate. Why, it's no, all in the no, eyes. No, no, why does it need to be in VR? That's, that's, okay, right. Maybe <laughs> so it's because it's I'm a bit. Parappa? 
maybe it's because I'm a bit uh, salty on the fact that uh, very recently I've had to like dive into the Parappa the Rapper franchise. Okay. Just because I was doing a bit of like a deep dive into uh, like bad remasters. And I hate to say it, everyone, but the PS4 remaster that came out for Parappa the Rapper was so what awful. What are you doing? What's he, what's no, he doing? No, 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 no. I know that it sounds like I'm shooting myself in the face. <laughs> But you go and play that on a HD TV. Right. The silly developers decided oh, to the take everything. Yeah, they took yeah. everything across, but they didn't count for the fact that the new technology would have latency issues. So the only way that you can say that you're good at the Parappa the Rapper remaster is to be bad rhythmically. <laughs> That's not okay for a rhythm I game. I guess you could be in time. You just hit the button before the icon lines up. So you're still on the beat, no, but not, no, you're not on your own beat. Carly not Ray okay. Style? That's not I don't know. okay. But anyway, games in the cinema. I remember thinking this when I was younger, that like back when Gears of War came out, because I was just blown away by the spectacle of Gears. And I was like, this would be brilliant <laughs> if we did it on a big enough screen. So my shout would be Gears of War split screen multiplayer, Halo original trilogy split screen multiplayer, um, Mortal Kombat fighting games, basically. Oh, the, yes. um, the Odeon, uh, near, well, the one, the Odeon that's in the Metro Center used to do gaming nights, but I don't know if that was on the screen or it was more like a quiz-based thing. But if you got a, a cinema full of people and you threw on Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat and had a cash prize, I would take that in a heartbeat. I would definitely, definitely be up for like fighting games in the, mm -hmm. in the cinema would just be fantastic. Or maybe a huge round of like Jackbox, like something like that where it's like Whoa, a big oh, social game. Yeah, like, like everyone gets to vote and it's just like some people show. playing on stage with like people like- Oh that. my God, Gang Beasts for one, having, oh. having a Gang Beast tournament with people getting eliminated, thrown out and stuff, maybe past the controller or something. Uh, Rocket League, because you can simulate the whole audience cheering and whatever when people score. Yep. Because um, I did go to a, a game tournament thing where they, they had a projector set up and there was an N64 playing Mario Kart. Mm -hmm. um, but the, everybody at that entire event just wanted to play Mario Kart. So there was just a swarm of people trying to play. So you never actually got hands on with it. But um, what was the thing you were going to say? I have found the cocktail. Good. It doesn't have a name, okay. but it does mix. Uh, so this is, uh, we accepted, this is from Amanda uh, at Randa Roy. Uh, we accepted your challenge. Here's my fiance's take on a drink with vinegar and eggs. <laughs> one tablespoon apple cider vinegar, one lemon squeezed, eight ounces of water, one liberal tablespoon of sugar, egg whites from one large egg, that's me, and two tablespoons of OJ. Perfect for a dressing gown morning. I, I mean, I am, I mean, I mean, I'll try. I mean, I mean, I mean. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I mean, we did what the, we did that weird apple sours and digestives and oh. whatever it was <sighs> punishment thing that me and Josh did. When we yep. lost a, a game once, but um, I'm curious. I mean, they've gone through quite a lot of effort there. That's that's very specific. Um, nice, I would also yeah. like to hear other people giving it a shot. I think I might try and give it a shot between this time and next Friday. Are you also going to attempt this cocktail? Yes, but we're going to be calling this the. Uh, it's the UPP UBD Untitled Banter Podcast Untitled Banter Drink. <laughs> that's very uh, very professional of you it's all the key terms in there that'll get exactly. found on youtube lickety split exactly um, next question this this is a bit, a bit of a veganist question but you oh, know you gotta you gotta get out there uh from dan pierce will we ever get a vegan cheese that doesn't taste like you've downed a keg of olive oil and made you win <laughs> so hard you've now stared through you're now staring through the back of your head how, Mate, do, you, how do you find this uh vegan cheese is one of those things where <sighs> He's got you, you there, man. You, you, you kind of think to yourself, it. like, why do you even bother half the time? Because it's that, like, somebody goes up to you and be like, oh, you're a vegan, are you? Oh, how do you find it not having milk and cheese? And you're just kind of like, yeah, cheese. Um, I miss cheese quite a lot. I used to eat cheese a lot. He's like, oh, well, don't worry. You've got your, uh, let me count them. 
It's three <laughs> vegan cheeses. Oh, do you like the fact that they all they're all just uh, flavor? They're just has flavor this, flavor. Has this become? Has the whole idea of interrogating the vegans has that become when people in the nineties and early two thousands would go up to someone with glasses on and go, "Oh, can I try them on? Oh, I can't see anything." Like, well, they're not made for you, are they, mate? To be honest, they, yeah, they they walk up with like a big mound of like edam and they just go like, "Oh, do you want some? Oh, you can't have it. Can oh, <laughs> like, I forgot. I forgot. Trying to well, be cheeky." Um, at Christmas time, it is vegan paradise, my man, because of the fact that obviously uh, January come is around the corner and everyone tries to do veganuary. So that means that mm. uh, the companies get a lot of products in in Christmas, which means they're like, I'll oh, try this, get this already thing. And the cheese does step up a notch because um, I can't remember the Violife. Uh, they've done like an extra mature cheddar and right. it actually tastes decent. It's okay. really nice. Uh -huh. There's also like a jalapeno one that I had the other day. Mm -hmm. um, they tried to go a bit too far with some of them. Like they tried to replicate halloumi, the squeakiest of all cheeses. <laughs> but it's it's not it's not a good look. So I wouldn't. wouldn't Ten squeaky that cheeses one. you can't replicate. But there is one cheese above all that is actually pretty piff, and that is the uh, there's a garlic and herb goat's cheese spread, and it is okay. oh, it's delicious. I love it. What? How, I do you put how, goat in? Science goat. Yes. The, the, oh, that, that's the only thing that really annoys me about vegan food, though, is that they always try and do like the punny names. It's like yeah. uh, it's like it's not tuna, or like it's like <laughs> fricking instead of chicken. It's just kind of like just stuff. That was what I wanted them to do more of because I, I love like food. I love food. I love food science. I love the. I, love, I try vegan stuff as much as possible to see how far along the tech, the technology is getting there, mm. replicating me. And so I tried some vegan chorizo, which was honestly pretty terrible. But I like <laughs> the idea of it. Um, but that whole nomenclature thing, that whole idea of naming stuff, like yeah, you've got carte blanche to create your own food stuffs. Like yeah. the sci, the sci-fi mind of mine is like, why don't you call it like Alpha Burgers or Alpha Discs or whatever? Like they don't need to be. Anything close to the animals we have. If you came into school, right, with your dairy lunchables, and you're just kind of like, oh, what you got there? So like, oh, I've got some alpha discs. I wouldn't yeah. be like, I'll trade you the ham and cheese. Go, for, yeah, that's that's, that's what I'm switch. saying. You know, you could you could save lives. I just think that you like, yeah, if you, yeah, some sort of I don't know, you <laughs> you bring it in, you call the the noodles lightsabers. I just I don't know, do something. But to go back to the point in, in hand, yes, there are some good cheeses. They're just a lot of bad cheeses as well, my friend. <laughs> I feel your pain. It's very fair. And a very quick question from Kieran McGregor. Discuss putting cheese in a pot noodle. Uh, yeah? Why? You he just put you know drooling face, exploding head. You think you know a person and then I'm something <laughs> like that. What the hell are you on about? What have you done? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to wrap my bean around this. You're saying that you want to take a pot noodle, which is at best yeah, okay. It's not, it's not great. And you That's want to chuck a when you say you're putting cheese in it, what do you mean? Are you like grating cheese over the top of it? Are you to putting a dollop of cottage cheese in, or are you literally just whacking a bit off the edge of like a baby no, bell no, 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 and garnishing be... it on the on the what do you mean? What it's are you got, on about? It's got, be, it's, it's got to be shredded. I mean, if you're putting a lump of cheese in, that's that's a level of insanity that I don't even I don't, that's like saying SSX3 is better than tricky. That's a level of insanity. I almost I swore even... then, I almost swore quite <laughs> quite loudly then. <laughs> I don't even know, oh. but um, the yeah, I think I think he's grating it in. I think it mixes in with the noodles. It makes a nice little stodge, and you sort of just take bites out of a giant lump of noodle cheese. I think it's just because my brain's just gone insane and just went for the whole like, oh, you're just taking a big wedge of cheese and just stuff. It it. In. That is that is a no go area. That is a no fly <laughs> zone for your tummy, my friends. But it's very fair. I, I yeah, I can understand if you want to get a bit of like cheesy nutty goodness in there. Then yeah, I think that actually could work. 
I, I mean, mm. we'll have to try it. We've got we've got our homework. We've got the cocktail. We've got the cocktail and the pot noodle side by side. For <laughs> this time next week, we'll both have tried them. Uh, but next question, my friend, though, just yeah. quickly, like what possessed you to do that in the first place? That's what I want to know. Because sometimes you've got to be like, oh, where's the origin story from this? Like, yeah. oh, you know, I'm just going to chuck a bit of this and that. It's kind of like, what you just like, cheese good, pot noodle good, time to only eat one. It's kind of that the, the family guy thing with like the guy with the peanut butter and the guy with the chocolate. Oh, the and they both yeah, like, yeah. go head to head into each other. And he's like, and the, the police officer like finds the, uh, the combination. Like, hmm. Yeah, maybe there's a way that these those things came together. Um, yeah. Next question, I think final question from Scott Elliott. Um, there's a little known game in a casting, bit of casting news recently. You might have already heard about it. Um, okay. He's referring to The Last of Us, um, which the thing, the, this is the thing. We got this question just after The Last of Us casting broke that Pedro Pascal is going to be Joel, Bella mm-hmm. Ramsey is going to be Ellie. Um, but also last night, it broke that Jack Black's going to be Claptrap in the Borderlands movie. Um, so we should just touch on all these things at once. What do you think of all these these big lad actors coming in, actually playing, you know, decent, actual decent actors? Oscar Isaac's going to be Solid Snake and everything. What's your thoughts on this uh, next dimension of acting in video game movies maybe this is it maybe this is our moment that actually we've all been waiting for for so long when it's been like we've suffered through the the (laughs) mediocre the stodgy the sludge ridden trash that Mm -hmm. was the bad video game film era so maybe we're in the renaissance maybe we're about to be taken seriously this is like when um Oh, when uh, the bat- the first Batman film came out, Tim Burton's Batman and reinvented <laughs> the dark, gritty tone and set the superhero like genre going in that direction for yeah. quite a while. Maybe mm-hmm. this is the the point, the chrysalis period. Oh, it's going to be. I'm excited, You're... but but doesn't it actually make you a little bit more nervous? Because it's like the more big names that get added on, you're like, mm. oh wow, this is setting it up to be like really big, like not just oh big for the gaming circle, like big for whole all of like mainstream industries. And you're just kind of like, oh god, me, if like... it fails, if this is really bad, I'm like, well, there is that. I mean, it, it fascinates me in regards to like the Borderlands cast is insane. Like Jamie Lee Curtis is going to be Patricia Tanning or whatever. Um, it's uh, Kate Blanchett as Lilith, which I wouldn't like the age wise. I wouldn't have pegged her as Lilith but I love Kate Blanchett as an actress. And then obviously you've got uh, Kevin Hart and Jack Black so far. They haven't cast any villains or anything. We don't even know where it's set in the timeline. But like that as a cast, it's very Jumanji energy. It's very sort of like mm-hmm. we've taken this, or we're trying to do this new energetic cast and add it to this sort of established But, it, but it all comes down to like who's writing it. Who's like if this, Well, if this... the, the dude that's writing Borderlands is Craig Mazin, the guy that did Chernobyl. So I'm just like, that's a hell of a swing. Like, Whoa, he's also... that is a, that I know. Is a swing, and isn't he's it? also writing the Last of Us HBO show um, along with Neil Druckmann's overseeing it and stuff. But yeah, yeah, Craig Mason just just in there, just doing everything. Just did Chernobyl, got enough um, enough credits, enough sort of trust, and then went, can I do Borderlands? Can I do Last of Us? He's, he's the new Uwe play. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if he can turn it around and do what he did for drama with, with comedy, then absolutely fantastic. Because this is the thing, to get the Borderlands tone right, mm. they need to strike that delicate balance between actually being genuinely funny and like cringe, but also find it funny because there's a ton of cringe throughout the Borderlands yep. series, especially in like two and three when they dive deep into the, hey, look, we're taking the mick Streamers. out of ourselves in gamer gamer culture. So See, they for do- me, Borderlands was always cringe. So I kind of just went with that. But I get like, a lot of people are like, oh my God, Borderlands 3 is like, it's it's too far. It's it's the wrong way to, do, yeah. to go. Yeah, it's it. <laughs> I, I, I again, I had to do some more research on it because I was going back and I was trying to pick out all the flaws of like these amazing like threequels that everyone mm-hmm. loved, but there's like some glaring issues. And I was just like, oh, okay, so I've got four pages of notes and I'm checks watch. Ooh, only five <laughs> hours of gameplay in. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. 
It was, I mean, it was, I, I, Borderlands 3 is the one that I played the most. Like, I always, like, we did a chatty face on this ages ago where I just couldn't click with Borderlands 1 or 2. But I think game, game wise, it's fantastic. Like, mechanic wise, yeah. it's, it's one of, it's the best. Like, hands That's down, I thing. think it's the best. Like, shooting and like the, they've got the loot grind down. Mm. They've got that systems down of like all the progression and stuff. It's fantastic. But when it comes to the narrative, my God, does it fall on its ass. <laughs> That's what's fascinating about making a movie out of that. Cause it's like, is it just going to be this like really surface level? Let's just have fun with it. Almost mm. like Jumanji style thing where Jumanji's basic plot structure is they're going to find something and that's mm-hmm. it um, and you just have fun with the cat with the the chemistry between the actors like maybe that's all it's going to be but then also craig mason like the potential thematic potential of it reducing someone like you know handsome jack last minute making this villain role i don't know this is it fascinates me in a way the last of us doesn't because for me last of us is a complete package whereas borderlands has a whole narrative side that you, they haven't really done much other than tales of the borderlands maybe this is going to be uh the sort of Sonic the Hedgehog movie <laughs> where it's not actually super important that the first film does incredibly well mm. but that it sets up for the sequel which everyone is excited for because right. it's like like if they can have that final shot of like handsome Jack turning to camera like Thanos and being like time be to get great. this party started and then pressing like the Hyperion <laughs> button to like launch stuff down onto like Pandora then mm. I'd be like I want to see that film. Like, hands down, you've got me hook, line, and sinker. That's what makes me think that they'll do this first. And they haven't announced anything in regards to the overall story or the villains yet. But if they, if it's not Handsome Jack, then I think that's almost nailed on because that's your perfect end of the movie sequel tease. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hold back on announcing who's going to be Handsome Jack until they turn up in the film and maybe kill someone without going into spoilers. Like, Handsome Jack is responsible for some dead bods. So that could if, be a way. If this is going to be... The bet, right? Okay, okay. I'm, tr- I'm trying to stay calm here now because I'm talking <laughs> about one of the, the biggest loves of my life. If they are going to cast all these people as accurately as they have done so far, there is going to be a point in time where they're going to have to introduce Tiny Tina. Well, that's the, if yes. they get Ashley Birch and they just skip over the fact that, like, in the game, she's meant to be very young, but if they just go, like, no, she's like a, like a, right. like tw- like 20, 30 year old woman or whatever, just like, boom, if they get her straight in there with that, with her energetic, over the top act, like, uh-huh. they, oh, that'd be perfect. That would be a hell of a thing. Actually, the, the question was also about The Last of Us very, very Sorry, quickly. Mate, yeah, yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey as Ellie? If you, if you don't remember Bella Ramsey by name, um, she is Liana Mormont from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm, she was mm-hmm. the, the, the kid that killed the giant. Um, yeah, we did a whole news video on this, me and Josh, but I I think it's a, it's a hell of a casting. I wouldn't have pegged Pedro Pascal off the top of my head. I was going more down the Nikolai Costawaldo, the Hugh Jackman route, but I think they're just, I don't well, know, Pedro's got a, a, quite like a quiet intensity to him. I think they're going for. But that's exactly what I imagine when I think yeah. of Joel. I don't think of this like over the top action hero, like your Josh Brolin's or whatever. I think mm. of this like quiet simmering, almost aggressive to the point where he's like, like he's like, cause Joel, Joel's a dick. Like uh, <laughs> all the way through. And I think that this guy can play that pretty well in the yeah. roles that I've seen him in before. He does this amazing ability of like capturing you into a scene in the palm of his hands and then he'll twist it some way. He'll like do something that'll be like, oh, I don't actually like that character. Or I don't yeah. like this. And I think that that's the perfect sort of keep your arm's length mm-hmm. attitude that Joel should be giving off. I've seen people yeah. recommending um, a movie from uh, with Pedro Pascal. I think it's called Prospect. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a sci-fi thing where it's him and his daughter or he finds this girl and they explore together on this planet. And like, I haven't seen that movie yet, but a lot of people are talking about how the chemistry between him and this younger girl, that's sort of like a daughter figure or father figure thing mm-hmm. um, is a little bit close to the Last of Us vibe. So I think that Prospect movie, I'm going to check that out and see what see what Pedro's like getting full dad energy because for me he's he's the Mandalorian he's the dude in Narcos mm-hmm. um, I haven't seen him in a dad role yet so I'm kind of 
curious what that's like. Um, but yes, thanks to everybody for sending in so many questions. I think next week uh, we have so many things backed up in the in the overall take trough um, okay. that I might um, put some sort of funny gif out, you know, do the thing. But also um, maybe we'll just do a catch-up week because we've got a lot of stuff sitting in the trough and we can just dig that out. Yep, that, actually, that absolutely works as well. And if anyone's got any like... Um, suggestions for us that we they want to see or like outside of this like extra bits and bobs that we can add on then let us know let us just know. let us know i just i think that i feel sorry for everybody sending in so many questions and we try and get through as many as we can but there's still a ton so i think that yeah maybe next week we'll see how it goes if stuff pops off in the industry then we'll cover that but um because that's you just you never know what's going to happen jack black popping up you just you just <laughs> you just got to roll with it but uh, yeah. for now this has been the ubp 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 i will catch you next time bye-bye Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.